want to talk to you just real quick here. Pete and I are going to do a tag team this morning about what does the future hold. Pastor Pete wanted me to, uh, to share where, where Sue and I are, are going in the future. And as you know, we're in our last year. Actually, we're in our last eight months of our transition. I think officially on paper, uh, it's going to be August 15th, I, I get erased as the president of this organization and lead pastor, and it's the beginning of stripping of my bars and, and uh, no, teasing. And uh, at the end of August, last weekend of August, that we will be having a, a great 25-year City Harvest Church celebration of our anniversary. We're going to have a great service where we're going to transition the church to Pete and Tamar, and uh, and then we're going to have a service where you basically, I don't know what you do with Sue and I. You do something for Sue and I, and uh, that, that one of those nights. And uh, it's been a great journey. It's been a beautiful thing today. I, it was just a beautiful place to be in His presence here. You worship and. Talking to tomorrow real quick, I said, you know, the energy in this place is, it's, it's, been a, it's been a while. It's been a journey to get it back, but we're getting it back, amen? Yeah. And we're moving forward. So I, I really don't want to preach myself today and talk about myself, and I'd rather preach Jesus and his will. So I want to share with you where Sue and I are going in a context that really relates to your life and where you're going in the future, not just in the context of City Harvest Church, but just how God guides you and how God works in your life. And I have a scripture here that's well familiar with many of you in Philippians 1.6. And it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, there's two thoughts I want to just give you real quickly here concerning this verse. The first is this is that God finishes what he starts. Can everyone say amen about your own life? So you may be discouraged where you are in your journey, but I want you to know that whatever God started in you, he is going to complete in you. And you got to hold on to the reality of this and the truth of that. And the second is this, is that what God did at the beginning of your journey, what he did at the beginning of your journey is connected to what he's going to do at the end of your journey. They're not disconnected. What he began, he will complete. So the completion has to do with the beginning. And the beginning has to do with the completion. So I want to, you know, when, when people come into my office and, and they talk about the, the future, and they want to talk about their dreams and their visions, sometimes they, they miss this point that the window to their future is their past. And they don't, they don't connect that. And they come into my office with romantic, grandeur views of what they want, think God wants to do with them. And it's, it's big. And sometimes it's, it's really disconnected. The funniest ones I get is, well, pastor, I will be here for two years and then God's going to do something else. So you got it down that path that, uh, you know, two years and it's going to stop. And then God's just going to do something else with you. You got it all figured out. 
You know, when God called Samuel into the prophetic ministry, you know what he was doing? He was sleeping. God had to wake him up. And that's the way we need to be. We need to be asleep in what God has called us to do. Sleep in what's in front of us. Sleep in in what God's graced us in. And, And in the midst of that sleep, when he wants to bring a change, he will bring a change. Or I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I know the prophetic that we do a lot here on that sometimes comes across through the instrument sometimes a lot more dramatic than the reality of the of the of the ministry being fulfilled sometimes and uh you know i've lived it i've lived the fulfillment of of prophetic scripture and it's not as romantic as it sounded back in 1979 but that's okay it's fulfilled and it's real and it's it's god so i want to give you quickly four principles of guidance four principles about vision my vision future sue's vision future your fusion vision future in your own ministry and the first is this if you really want to know what your future looks like look to your past where were you successful in the past well i'm going to be a a preacher bob okay i hate talking in front of people well I, i would say that you know you dodge speech class in high school you don't like to stand in front of people and it's really not what brings life to you i doubt if your future really involves that because of where your past was. This is where I was successful in the past, uh, organizing things or, or, or serving practically, or I love one-on-one stuff, and I've just done it a lot in my life, and mentoring and those types of things. Well, that shows me a lot about your future. Where have you been successful? Here, here, here's a good one. Were, were people drawn to you and whatever you were doing in your past? Well, no, I, I've run four community groups and no one's ever showed up. Okay, I think we need to evaluate, okay, if that's really a part of your future. Okay, so your past does reveal where you're going in the future. I knew I could speak publicly when I made my first speech in seventh grade. I was 12 years old. My dad used to tell me about the Philippine dog market in World War II at and I had all these stories of dead dogs hanging by their hinges. Sorry, I'm sorry, Cheyenne. But, uh, <clears throat> and so I told this speech about the, the Philippine dog market. I had all my, my classmates ready to throw up and gag in. And I knew I had a gift. <laughs> I had a gift. So if you want to know where your future is going, you really do need to look at the past. The second thing is this. If you, if you want to know the future... Really identify how grace works in your life now. number of good scriptures here. Paul said, and, and let me give you two of them, Ephesians 4, 7. But to, but, for by the, but to each of you, or each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Paul said in Romans 12, in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. I am not a one-man army, and you are not a one-man or one-woman army. I'm not to think higher of myself than I am. I, I have limitations. But there is something working in me. Come on, God has a grace in me. He's given me a supernatural ability, and he's given you supernatural abilities. It's called the, we call it the anointing around here. Kendall, T.R. Kendall, defines the anointing as that which comes easy to you. 
we were at a, uh, an MFI regional Christmas party, and the part of the game activities is they handed a few of us a topic, and you were supposed to preach impromptu. And, and, and Bill got up there. Bill Shiler was there, and he got it. I was, you know, what was me, because I've always been, been very, very impressed with Bill, is that what he did with one thought was amazing and with ease. And I had to follow him, which was a little intimidating. But, but, but what's interesting is that it's a, it came easy to him. He wasn't up there, oh, yeah. he, just, he just did a whole teaching, like he had three pages of notes in front of him, impromptu, by one little verse. Because there was a grace in him. It came easy to him. And you got to look at what comes easy to you. There's, I'll tell you what doesn't come easy to me. Organizing papers. When I pay my bills... Okay, I usually have everything separated like a foot apart from each other. And Sue goes, what are you doing? I said, I can't think if they're all together. Okay, just don't give me paper. The best thing has ever happened is online banking. It's the greatest invention in the world. That's, I do it so well, okay, but I don't do paper. So I really don't want to be involved in paper in the future. It's not really where my grace is at. And, Okay, it's not really what I do well. So there is something supernaturally working, you know, through you and, and through me. But the other thing is these two scriptures says that these, this grace is apportioned and it's distributed. In other words, it's got limits. You don't have it all. I don't have it all. And so whatever I'm doing in the will of God has to be connected to people and their gifts and their graces and their calling. City Harvest Church has been an incredible success because we've been unique and we chose to be unique. We planted churches. A few of them crashed. We put people all over the world. Okay, we trained them right here. We raised them up here. We took them through the journey guide here. We believed in them here. We prophesied over them here. We spoke faith in them here. We sent out I don't know how many teams and how many people are part of this church and now part of other local churches We've been very successful. We've probably stewarded $45 million. So this is not something that Bob achieved. This is something that we achieved together as a church. And so there's a grace on us. And there's a grace on me and there's a grace on you for whatever God has each of us to do. And, you know, one of the, one, my last thing, I, one of the last thing, two other things I want to say is if you want to be fruitful in your future, Serve people now with the grace God has given you. I mean, what are you doing? You function now. You don't wait till your number's called. One day I'm just going to sit and someone's going to call me up. Kind of the old Pentecostal way in the first part of the 20th century. It had a lot of that language because of some of the ways God used some of the great saints that, whose shoulders we stand on. But we, we think that's going to happen. The phone's going to ring, an email's going to come, and I'm just going to have an opportunity. Sometimes one person came to my office one time, I want to be a public speaker. It was kind of interesting. I want to be a public speaker. Well, I said, well, here's the problem. No one wants to listen to you unless you have done something. Hey, what do you, what do you, you share nice all day long, but what have you built who have you touched? What have you achieved? What have you endured? What did you suffer? What did you overcome? you got to have a message. 
If you don't have a message, I don't care if you do Toastmasters all day until your throat's raw, okay? It's not gonna work, okay? You've gotta have a message. You've gotta have something that God's done in you that they want. The fourth thing is this. If you wanna be fulfilled in your future, make goals within your control. You know, sometimes I, people tell me, I'm gonna touch the nations. Wow. There's a few problems with your vision. One, the nations have to cooperate. So that's outside of your control. Second thing is the nations have to want you. Third thing is people need to really believe in you, and a lot of people have to give you a lot of money. No, no, it has nothing to do with faith. No, it has a lot to do with a lot of money. Trust me, I've raised millions. It takes a lot of money. And so if people don't believe in you, they're not going to give you the money for you to go to a place that may not want you, okay, and may not receive you. So this is a vision that's outside of your control. And I would actually counsel you not to do that. I would do something that's within your control. Like, what does that look like? I want to prepare myself to preach the gospel and make disciples from an unreached people group. Now, that's something that could be more in your control. You can prepare. You can see where assignment might be, where no one else will go, you will go, okay? You're going to build slowly a clientele of people who believe in you and support you. And, okay, it's much more in your control to make that happen. Now, Bob, why, why are you saying all this? Because when people are talking about Sue and I's future, those four principles is really what defines our future. First is this. This is where we're going. We're going to live the rest of our lives in a community called City Harvest Church. Why? Because that's what we've always done. We've always been a part of a local church community of people who we have been a part of and we laid our lives down and had dinner with and were in small groups with and, and did trips with and had laughter with and they bore our pain, we bore their pain. That's what we've, that's the only thing we know. And so my past is dictating what I'm gonna do in the future. I'm gonna sit right here and grow old. Pete will do my funeral. I got ideas of what I want to do in my funeral, but we'll start talking about them. Second thing, second thing we're going to do, we're going to serve Pete and Tamar with anything they need from us. We're here to make them successful, whatever they need. They need me to be the, you know, be the uh, parking lot attendant. I, had a, I have some secret dreams. I want to be a Cracker Jack parking lot attendant. Well, I've actually done it one time here. It was a disaster. I counseled everybody coming in. The cars were backed up all the way to Jason Lee. But, but you know, I, I had heart. We're here, whatever they need. Sue already serves tomorrow, women mentoring women. I meet with Pete, whatever you want. You want me to jump into that situation? I'll do that for you, Pete. And you want me to teach on this? I will do that. I want me to handle this situation? I'm here for you. I want me to be an ear, I'll be an ear. Okay, that's what we're going to do, because that's what we've always done. We've been committed to the success of people. You know, one of the beautiful things about Joshua in the book of Joshua, and you may not know this, you can look at it at chapter 19. He was the last Israelite to receive his inheritance. He didn't receive his inheritance until the rest of Israel received their inheritance. The tribe of Reuben and Gad 
and half the tribe of Manasseh. They had their inheritance on the east side of the river, but they weren't allowed to enjoy it until their brothers possessed their inheritance. And one of my favorite scriptures in the book of Joshua, it says these words, and, jo- and Reuben and Gad and Manasseh passed before the children of Israel. In other words, they stood there and watched a parade of their brothers crossing the Jordan and going to possess an inheritance for them. See, this is what this is all about. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about others. It's what we want to do. So this is what we're going to do with Pete and Tamar. We're going to make them successful. Third thing is this. We're going to serve our church plants and global workers. And we, as we do, you know, people think, though, when I'm when I, not the senior pastor, I just call up Matt Malt, you need to bring me in today. Or you need to have me come speak. No, I, basically I come as they need, as they desire. I have no authority over their church. In a couple of churches, I'm kind of an elder emeritus. You know, and they bring me in. They want me a part of that, but it's according to their rhythm. The global workers that we raised up, these are going to be Pete's global workers. I'm here to help him in serving them on that board and others that would raise up. I liken this picture like this. Pete is the head football coach. Everything's football with me. And I am the strength and conditioning coach. And so what I'm here to do is get the athlete ready for him to use the athlete the way he wants to use it. So Pete, give me, you know, Charlie, and I'll take Charlie with his bad attitude and his dyslexia and everything else, and uh, I, I will give, give me a couple years with him, and I'll get, you, I'll, get you, I'll get him ready. He might read upside down and go left when he was supposed to go right, but he's going to be a great instrument in the hand of God. The other is, is what we do. We serve leaders of MFI. I've been involved in MFI for years. I've been on the apostolic leadership team, I think, close to 20 and I'm the vice chairman, international director. I serve Frank DiMazio. I serve the pastors of the fellowship. And uh, I do what I've always done, and I'll continue to do it. My past will determine my future. It's what I'm going to do. Nothing's going to change on that. We were in Brazil, as you know, in November. That was an MFI event, MFI paid event. And uh, just those types of doors have been opened to Sue and I. The fifth thing is we're going to serve the body of Christ with our prophetic gifting. Sue and I have a prophetic gift that God has given us, and, and it kind of comes into demand a lot. This is a common conversation when I go to a church. I just want to teach and process with the pastor, but they always say this, Bob, if you get a word, if you get a word, you know, we want you to be free to go ahead. Now, what you're saying to me is you don't want me to teach, you just want me to start prophesying and going after everybody. Yeah, that's really what I want you to do. Okay, but that's okay. It's a grace gift. It's what God has given us. So what we've done in the past, we do what? In the future. The sixth thing is this. So we're going to provide resources that promote, that promote mental health to the church. You've heard my journey many times on what I suffered in adverse childhood experiences as a child. It's not, it's not pumped up. It's... It's not inflated. It, it was real. I, I suffered severely as a child. On, the, on the, what's called the ACE test, I score about a, a nine. Okay? My sis, older sister scores a nine. My little sister's probably a ten, if you know that, that particular. In other words, we were grossly abused for many years. And so those things that affected me as a young man trying to find myself in the church and ministry and my family 
and everything else. And I've told my story, but I've actually put a seminar together with the tools that I've learned and the things that I've studied. And, and uh, I'm doing three here, one in January, one in March, and one in June uh, this year alone on that. So looking forward to help mental health grow in, in the church. And uh, the other is, is to do this, is to, and this is the last thing, and I'm going to get off the platform to provide finances, materials to plant and establish churches globally. So I have started, I've actually written up my bylaws. I will register with the state this week a, a, a 501c3 to help church planning where City Harvest Church can't do it or even to resource City Harvest Church to do that and to help other churches plant churches and help establish those churches. There's great needs. It doesn't take thousands and thousands of dollars, but it does take some money, and it takes materials, and I'm not here to how I'm going to do this whole plan, but I have a whole strategy on how I'm going to do this. But uh, the name of this ministry is going to be called His Church. And here's the mission statement, the planting, equipping, and empowering of local churches globally. And uh, we're going to see what God does with that. And uh, I know how to beg for Jesus. I know how to get money, and, we'll, and I have a name, and I have a track record that my brand, I sell myself on what we've accomplished here at this church. It will strengthen City Arbor's Church. Everything has to strengthen City Arbor's Church. Hopefully, I can help MFI on some things that it's limited on and to be able to expand that part of our ministry. Other than that, my wife's getting cuter by the... Uh, by the year, and I'm looking forward to chasing her around the house, and uh, and uh, and we and we when we looks like we got another marriage coming, Leslie got engaged here. Uh, just stand up, Leslie. Go ahead. Yeah. So more babies are coming. That's going to be good. It's going to be good. I, uh, I'm so proud of Pete and so proud of Tamar. This is not an easy job. You know, who had it harder? Me giving up everything? Really, that became quite easy after a while. I started enjoying it. I like having banking hours. Or is it the guy that's taking it and has to be compared all the time and has a different style and a different grace and a different gift and being shoehorned into someone's image of what they think they should be. They've done well. They've done really, really well in the midst of COVID and every controversy and, and everything that we have divided over in the body of Christ. They've steered this ship great. It's going to be a great future. He's going to talk about the future here. And uh, I'm behind him a thousand percent. And I'm excited about what this church is going to do and he's going to take it much farther than I could have. So welcome Pastor Pete up here. She comes to share. Well, those were kind words from Bob. We did a um, here this last fall at the MFI kind of global conference they had us do a workshop on transition, which seemed a little weird. It was kind of like 
say tomorrow night doing a parenting class on how to successfully raise your kids through college and our oldest is 15 um, since we hadn't quite like made it all the way through the transition but we both kind of talked about it from our perspectives and one of the things that was addressed was kind of you know how it's hard for for each person but uh really when it comes down to it a transition really is based off of how much the the person who's been there um, is willing to let go and because it's it's very rare that you have somebody new i mean let's stay with his football analogies you have a backup quarterback that person doesn't want to pray evil on the starting quarterback but you know if they broke their leg it wouldn't be all that bad because i am ready to go in and so there's kind of this you know typically the person who's up to bat is getting ready to go up to bat i mean if they don't want to hit the ball or they don't want to throw the ball then why are they even playing the game um and so in this it really is how much is this person willing to gracefully let go and especially in a transition like we've been doing where it's you know taking eternity um uh, so you know i don't know how many of you guys have you know moved and uh had five kids since we began this transition but there's been a lot of time for you to do a lot of things in your life so um <clears throat> Anyway, but it's been good and uh, seeing God's hand on it just based off of what has happened uh, in our church in 2019. We, in a, un, you know, I'm not even going to say that. It just was a hard year. Um, there was a lot of passings of people that were loved and very involved here. It was a hard year. And uh, just people that you weren't expecting it. And not that I look at any of you and I'm expecting it, but <laughs> if you want to know which ones, I'll tell you after the service. <laughs> yes, you're about to go very soon. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, hitting into uh, 2000 and 2001, just with COVID and just all the changes, all the stuff going on socially, it, it was tough. And, you know, people at the very beginning were like, man, do you really want to do this this long? And one thing we knew for sure is that Holy Spirit said, go to the 25th anniversary. So that kind of helped us determine, well, where's the, where's that marker at? But man, now looking in the rear view mirror, it's like, God, you're wise. Like your ways are higher than our ways. You see what we don't see. And looking forward, it was like, I don't know. I mean, it, it just seems right. And everyone's saying, well, you're crazy. And it's like, yeah, it kind of feels that way. But what do you do when God's giving you direction, you follow it. And uh, it's just been a very good thing. So one of the questions that came up even in that breakout was, you know, one, the big one that everyone always wants to know is, are you going to change the name? And the second one is, what are you going to change? And here's the deal, though, is when God calls a church, a community like this, he has a personality he wants to put on this community. And it's not just about moving the platform of one individual forward and, hey, thanks for coming. I appreciate you guys supporting me in my book tour and my Instagram page and, you know, in, in doing all these things. No, it's about what does God want to do in and through City Harvest? And 
I'm a, I'm a piece of that puzzle, but so are you. And there's something he's called us to do here at, in our city, something he's called us to do in our nation, and something he's called us to do in the world. And that call doesn't change just based off of who's standing on the platform and holding a mic. That, that, that call that he's called City Harvest to doesn't change just based off of, you know, the, the title that ends up coming after some of our names, because it's who God has called us to be. So real quick, want and, and we've over the years, over the last 24 and a half years, we've wordsmithed and changed and um, the, the way we word it, but the heart behind our call has never changed since day one. Since the very first church plant meeting we had in Bob and Sue's family room, it has not changed. And what I want to tell you is it's not going to change because it's, again, it's not based off of just one of us. Our personalities, like Bob said, can be different. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but we look different and we sometimes talk a tad bit different. But I am planning on taking up CrossFit again, so you know, you're fine and uh, plan on taking up football coaching. So a lot of the stories will remain the same. Don't worry about that. (laughs) But the call is the same. And um, so just want to go through this real quick is uh, vision. People living their identity and purpose in Christ. When it comes down to it, at the end of the day, this is what we've always stood for. Some people say, well, aren't you, what about church planting? It's really hard to church plant if you don't know who you are in Jesus and you don't discover the purpose of what God has called you to. Well, what about going to the nations? Aren't aren't we a missions church? It's really hard to send someone out if you don't know who you are in Jesus and you don't know that he actually called you to the nations. It's going to be really hard to get them to want to go if they don't know they're supposed to go and they have no desire to go. For any of us, it's not just about do we get someone to like what we would kind of in Christianese called coming to the altar and, and, uh, and having a conversion. It goes so much beyond that. And that's where living comes in is it's an actual, it, it's alive in us. It's not just making a decision. It's actually beginning to walk out that decision and beginning to grow in it. And, and yeah, we stumble, but we get back up and we keep walking. And so... We want to be a people, all of us. And our hope is that as people come in and experience the presence of God, that something begins to change upon all of us. Man, you just take a minute and you think back to when the Holy Spirit came upon your life. However young, however old you were. Maybe you've kind of fallen away and so you've had 20 of these experiences. But you think back to when God came upon you and you began to realize who he says you are. Not who people have been telling you are, not what life has been saying about you, but who he says you are. And you realize the amazing thing about aligning yourself with that and beginning to walk it out. So we want to live our identity, who Christ has called us to be, and to really begin to step out in the purpose. Why did he make you the way you are? You're weird, and so am I. But he made you weird because he has some other weird people just like you that he wants you to go talk to. He puts you in a neighborhood, not just because it was a good price on the house, not just because it was convenient to get to the freeway so you can drive to work. He moved you somewhere because he wants you to be a light in that cul-de-sac on that street. 
He puts you in a job, not just so you can get a paycheck. You are a missionary. You want to know what your identity is? You are a daughter and a son of Jesus Christ that we just sang about. He has come and he has adopted you. He has paid the penalty for your mistakes. And he has called you to be a missionary. Now, you might not be going to another nation and selling everything you have here and sending out support letters, but you go to work, you go to school. Man, we had the middle. If you're in middle school, raise your hand. Will you clap for these missionaries? If you're in, if you're in school, you have been called to be a missionary. Wherever you are, whatever you do, we are called. And so we step out in our purpose. Now, in that purpose, we see four main things. And these even come off of um, our pursuits. But to be with God. We want to be with God. We don't just read the scripture so we can memorize it. And so we do our devotion so we check it off a list. We meditate on it. And that's our challenge even in, in this January is what do you need to do to get into the word? Not what do you need to do to read through the Bible in one year? Number one, all of these books weren't put together when Jesus walked the earth. So therefore, there was no one-year Bible, a one-year scroll where you just roll it out and you just start reading through it. The idea isn't that. The idea is, do we begin to read it and does it become part of who we are? Do we allow it to shape us? Do we allow it to speak to us? Prayer, are you in conversation with God? Are you talking to him throughout your day? Worship, everything you do, do you do it unto the Lord? And do you glorify him, worship him? Fasting, do you periodically look or even consistently look at things in your life and say, you know, I do this a lot and it takes up a lot of time. I'm going to put it aside for several days, a period of time, and I'm, I'm going to now take that amount of time and I'm going to give it to God. And I'm just going to be with him. Do I take solitude where I get away? I shut everything out. That's one time where you can be holy and righteous and shut your spouse out and your children out and everything like that because you're, you're doing it unto the Lord. But no, you, are you, do we have that time? Do we have rest? Do we find delight in being with God? We want to be with God. That when people look at us, they could say, you've been with God. There's something alive in you. Not just I remember this verse from a long time ago, but I was reading this week, and this is what God is showing me. It's something alive. It's coming out of us. It's overflowing because we're being with God. We were changed. Walk with Holy Spirit. We want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to let the fruit of the Spirit flow from within us, that it becomes part of our character. We want to walk in obedience. Any of you ever felt like the Holy Spirit asked you to do something that was just crazy? We got to be obedient. We got to step out in that. It's not about, does it make sense in our mind? It's not about, does it feel safe? It's not about, do I feel prepared? It's not about, do I really want to do it? It's not about, do I have time right now to do it? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? All right, I'm going to step out. Okay, I'm going to pull my car over and help that person. 
Ma'am, Tamar, she just met this lady that is always on, well, I'm not going to say the street, but on a street around here. And she, she drives down there. It's this lady. She just, she's outside, sits on this like little concrete wall and just smokes her cigarettes and drinks a soda and then takes her walker and goes back in and just does that multiple times. And one day, Holy Spirit just said, pull over, get out, get her name. She's going to become your friend. I was driving with Tamar the other day and she's driving and, um, and, and the lady just starts waving at her, knows her car. We didn't stop that time, but that's not part of the story. <laughs> Holy Spirit didn't tell us to. We want to believe in miracles, that miracles are still alive, that they're still happening, that God is still at work, that Holy Spirit still wants to come and touch your body. Well, what if I get prayer and it doesn't happen? You go get prayer again. And God is still good. I tell stories, I have no clue why sometimes I've prayed for people and nothing has happened. And why other times I didn't even have, I had a bad attitude, I didn't want to pray, and they were miraculously healed. I don't get it. I don't know why sometimes I was prayed for, and I mean, I remember in not closed my eyes. I mean, how does God answer a prayer if your eyes aren't closed? Seriously. I had my wrists go back into place. As my grandfather prayed for it, and I just thought, yeah, whatever, go ahead and pray for it. I know I got to go back to the doctor because I rebroke it in my cast, and it's like, I know I'm going to go back. And God just heals it and puts it right back into place. I don't get it, but that's not our job. Our job is to believe that Jesus still wants to work, that Holy Spirit, and not only does Holy Spirit want to work on having Bob pray for Tamar, but Holy Spirit wants you to pray for the person that hates God and says they hate God in your workplace. Holy Spirit wants you to go into the, your next door neighbor and meet them and begin to say, how can I pray for you? Because Holy Spirit wants to come alive in each one of us. I skipped one. Go with Jesus on mission. It's not that I don't think it's important, people, okay? It's just as important. We want to go with Jesus on mission. He has called us. Kind of already went into that, that we're missionaries. He has called us. He has placed us places. And as he walked the earth and what he did on mission, and as he reached out to people that everyone else pushed away, you want to know how you should act. You want to know what it looks to be a missionary? Go read the Gospels. He did it every single day. Did he have some Christians around him? Yes. Did he do some mentoring in small groups? Yes. Did he only talk and like people that went to church? No. He went and he met them where they were at, and he called them in, not by beating them up, but by love, by getting to know them through relationship. We want to go with Jesus on mission. Lastly is love others. We have to love others. We want to be a place where anybody can come in. If they can't come in here because we don't like the way they look, we don't like the way they talk, we don't like the way they smell, we, don't, we have our list of what we don't like, how are they going to encounter the presence of God? We're sitting there judging them saying, don't come in until you get it right. How are they going to get it right unless they come in and they can dwell in that place? Bob used to say, if Sue feels safe leaving her purse on the front row where they were sitting, then we're doing something wrong as a church. You get it? 
If we all feel safe just leaving our phones anywhere around and our wallets and this and that, that means we're doing something wrong because it means that we've just become a club. And this is just our clubhouse. And we have a little code outside that unless you know the handshake, you know how many times to pull the string, the ladder ain't going to fall down for you to come on in. We want to be a place where we love others and we are known for our love. Man, when people say City Harvest, they might be like, I don't know. I'm not into that whole God thing. Like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I've been hurting this way. But man, they love people. And at one day, I promise you, when they're in a place of need, they'll say, I don't know about the whole faith thing. I don't know about this Jesus Christ. I don't know about all this. But I know that I need whatever that person has. And they're going to come because there's going to be a drawing. Starting next Sunday night and going for three Sunday nights. So on the 9th, the 16th, and the 23rd, at 6 p.m., we're going to have a family vision night. And I want to ask that if you believe, whether you're you're a member or you're new, doesn't matter. If you believe that God has planted you here and says, I want you to be here. This is where I want your roots to go down. Because I have something in this soil. There's something about the, and this is where I'm going to water you. And this is where I'm going I'm to shine on you. This is where I'm going to fertilize you. Because I want you to grow. You believe God has planted you here. Then I want to ask that you come out to all three of these meetings. Now you might not be able to make one. We'll stream them. We'll be, we'll, they'll be recorded and we'll share them with you. I want to ask though, if you can, to make every effort possible to come and be part of these meetings. We want to regroup. And this isn't just about uh, a new, you know, a shift from Bob to, to me. That's not what it's about. It's about us coming back together and saying, there's been a lot of distractions, kind of like that little bell that goes off. There's been a lot of distractions. There's been a lot of commotion. There's been a lot of canceling each other out and judgment. There's been a lot of hurt feelings. There's been a lot of confusion about where we headed. What are we doing? What are we called to? We want to regroup, come back together and say, you know what? God placed us here for a reason. Yeah, it's to get prayer every now and then. Yeah, it's to come in and be able to worship God together and and just abandon ourselves to him. But it's also to rally, to link arms and to take the field and to say, we're going to do this. We're going to follow everything that God has called us to. I want to take off the false identities and the confusions that I have, and I want to enter in to what is Jesus, who does he say I am? And then I want to walk out my purpose. When I stand before Jesus, I want to be able to hold my head high, not out of arrogance, but like, God, yeah, I followed you in honor. Not like, ah, yeah, I was distracted there and I didn't do it. Yep, I was embarrassed there and I didn't do it. We want to step out and be who God has called us to be. Will you stand to your feet? We're going to go into this song, the third song that we sang today. So yes, we're singing it again. For all those people that love to repeat a song, hallelujah. For those that are like, dear God, how many times we have to say the same words? I'm sorry, but not sorry. Here's what I I ask that we all do in response. That you take a little moment with God right where you are. You say, Lord, what what do you want me to do different 
this January. You know, a lot of Januaries we do fasting and prayer and we give out a devotional or we have different things that we do. This one, we're not doing that because it's not about what do we do over the next 10 days, the next 14 days, the next 21 days, the next 30 days. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this year, what we want to push is what we've been talking about this last year, which is a lifestyle. It's not a moment. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. So what do we need to push aside, take out of our own life that's getting in the way of the lifestyle that Jesus wants you to have? I'm a program person. I'm a systems person. So I always try to do all these. I have all these goals and all these things, and I can get so lost in them. What, what, what do they say? Paralysis by analysis. And I am not doing anything because I'm not doing this grand thing that I want. So this year, it's like I'm releasing all of that. And I'm forcing myself to read the Bible just in like a page-by-page page kind of way. And, and not even by chapter, but just kind of go through it and let it happen naturally. So I don't get bound by it. I don't know what that is for you. But right where you're at, as we sing, will you just build your own altar and just say, God, who do you say I am? What are you calling me to? And how can I be with you more starting this month? Not for this month, starting this month. How do I begin to look more like you because I'm spending more time with you? because you and I had a conversation and you showed me some of the things that you want me to pull out of my life, some of the things you want me to reduce in my life, and you showed me a lot of the things you want me to add into my life.